we're taking a trip to the lost and found. And we're trying to reclaim our spiritual authority. Many of us are living on Loser's Avenue because we have lost sight of that which is our rightful inheritance as sons of God, as sons and daughters of God. And while this issue has been abused and misused in some quarters, that does not illegitimize the concept that God has laid something in your lap that you need to take advantage of or you will miss out on your life. We saw last time God's purpose for the human race. In Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 to 28, they can be summed up in three words, let them rule. God said he will turn over the, the managerial responsibilities of the planet over to mankind. He will respect their decisions. He will give them an ontological connection with himself and a functional connection with himself. Ontologically, he will create man his own image. Man will be created as a spiritual being located in a physical environment. God wanted to manifest his invisible glory in a visible way through a, through a human container. Today, we want to now tighten it up a little bit and go to from our dominion of the world to your dominion of your world. You see, in chapter 2, we're told in verse 7 that the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And the Lord planted a garden toward the east of Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. So now we've gone from the creation of the human race in general to the creation of a specific individual in particular. His name was Adam, or Adam. Adam refers to that which comes from the ground. God made man from the ground he was to oversee. He will be like that which he was overseeing, for he was made from his very content. He then, watch this, placed man, a specific man in the garden, a specific locale. We call it Eden or paradise. And this was to be the place where his managerial responsibilities were to be executed. In other words, in chapter 1, God gave the global role of mankind exercising dominion over the earth. But in chapter 2, he has a specific man, Adam, in a specific role, the Garden of Eden, carrying out a specific rulership task. He created Adam and then he placed Adam, him, in a role that he was to fulfill in the global role of carrying out the purposes and the program of God. Adam is merely a prototype, like a car maker, uh, General Motors or Ford, if you will, having a prototype of other cars to come. Adam was a prototype of the other humans that would be coming because he told them, be fruitful and multiply. So Adam is a prototype of you and me as what we are to be doing in the garden that God gives us. And everybody has one. But you say, but, but God created Adam for that purpose. Well, in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, We are God's masterpieces created in Christ Jesus for good works. See, Adam had a first creation. You and I get a recreation. When we came to Christ, Christ recreated us for the garden of our own responsibilities. 
That is for the good works, the good responsibilities. Watch this. That Ephesians 10 says, which he has already prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God formed Adam and then he formed the garden and placed man, Adam, in the garden. God recreated you and I when we came to Jesus Christ, created the good work, which is the garden of our own responsibility, pre-planned it. It says it was planned beforehand, like, like the garden was planned for Adam, that we should walk or carry out our responsibilities. Hallelujah. Let me say that again. That we should walk or carry out our responsibilities. But in the context of that calling or that guarded environment that God has created for every believer. So the worst thing in the world is to live your life and miss your garden. The worst thing in the world is to live your life, be recreated by God and miss the sphere of responsibility that God has intended for you. Psalms 139 verse 16 says that God has already scripted out your life in advance. What you are supposed to do what you have been ordained to do has already, Psalms 139 verse 16 says, been written down in God's books. Listen, he has already predated your purpose. He has already set out the proposal of your destiny. He has already designed where your life is supposed to go. Your job is not to create your life. Your job is to walk in his pre-planned purpose for your life. That's your goal. He's already set that out. Just like he set it out for Adam by creation. We've been recreated. We have been spectacularly recreated. Which is why he calls us works of art or masterpieces. For the purpose of carrying out God's plan and his mantle. Hallelujah. So, he takes man, he breathes into him the breath of life, something he does not do with any of the other parts of his creation. He puts into Adam the life of God. Now, now, before we go any further, people of God, I want you to know that Adam is not married yet. Adam is not married. Adam is single. And he's not an unhappy single, neither is he an unfulfilled single, neither is he a miserable single. He's not a depressed single, he's not on lithium, he's not on volume, he's not a Prozac, he's not pulling out his hair, he's not screaming, he's not asking, when am I going to find somebody? That's not what Adam is doing. Adam doesn't even know anything about a female. Adam is a successful single, he's a happy single, he's a fulfilled single. Guess why he's making it as a single? Because he's fulfilling his calling. He is handling his garden. He's not, he's not going outside of his garden looking for something God ain't made yet. So, so <clears throat> Adam is now doing his thing. He's replacing the garden and his job is now going to be spelled out for him. Verse 15. The Lord God took man. Please notice God is all up in this. Verse 7, God formed man. Verse 8, God planted the garden. Verse 9, God caused every tree to grow in the garden. Verse 15, God took man. God is all up in this, in this equation. He took man and he placed him in the garden that he made. It's like God placing you in your calling, placing you in your purpose, placing you in your destiny. He placed him in the garden and he gave him two responsibilities. He says, I want you to cultivate it and I want you to keep it. These are the two responsibilities that every Christian has in the sphere of living out the divine mandate to rule. Even if you don't know you're a Christian. First of all, you ought to cultivate your garden. 
The word cultivate means to develop it, to turn it into what it was designed to become. Sort of like raising your children, you develop them into adults, you have to cultivate what God gives you. See, God does not do the work for you, he does the work with you. You do not sit down and wait for God. God is waiting for you. And when God sees you do what you are supposed to do, then God joins you in making sure that what you did becomes fruitful. God told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. That didn't happen with them standing on two different sides of the room. There was a, particip there was a participatory process involved in the earth becoming fruitful with human population. Let them rule means God will cooperate with you, but he will not replace you. So if you are waiting on God without fulfilling your cultivating responsibility, you are waiting on God in vain. The second job I have for you, Adam, is to keep it. To keep it. The Hebrew word for keep means to guard or protect. So I want you to cultivate it, develop it, and then I want you to protect it or guard it. Now, the question is, what does the garden need to be guarded from? It's a perfect environment. What does the garden, what the garden need a guard for? Why does the garden need a guard? Why does the garden need to be protected? Did you ever wonder why? You ever wonder why Adam and Eve weren't shocked at a talking snake? In chapter three, a snake is going to slither up to them and say, "Why don't we have a meeting?" And she doesn't go, ah! scream and run. Not only a snake, but a rapping snake, a talking snake. Why isn't she shocked that the snake is in the garden and is carrying on a conversation about religion? See, we have to understand that. The snake is already there. Adam, you have a job. Cultivate the garden and keep the snake out. Cultivate the garden and keep the devil out. So what God decided was to use man to defeat angels that he had incarcerated on earth until time of judgment. That's why the devil's here. So the devil is here and God is now wanting man to respond to his authority. In order to cultivate your garden, in order for this garden to work, you're calling to be fulfilled. You must cultivate it and you must keep the devil out. Now, I call this sermon the key to ruling your world. Here it is. Verse 16. I love verse 16. I love verse 16. It'll blow your mind. The Lord God commanded. The Lord's all over this thing. God formed man. God planted. God caused. God took. And now God commanded. The Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely. Now let me tell you one of the reasons why people don't enjoy their Christian life. Because no one's told them all the fruit you can eat freely. Let me update the principle for you. Here's the principle. The principle is... <clears throat> Anything, anything God does not restrict, he allows. Now, why do you know that? Or why do you need to know that? Because some of us were raised up in legalism, and the only thing we knew about Christianity was what we couldn't do. Okay, you're a Christian. You can't go to the movies. You can't dance. You can't do this. You can't go there. You can't, you can't, you can't. That's why you wanted to leave house, leave church, and go to college. He says, you're free to enjoy it. You're free to enjoy it. But, <laughs> but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day you eat from it you will surely die now this raises up a conundrum of questions why would God give them a garden and put a restriction in the middle of it 
Because if it's in the middle, that means you're singing all the time. No matter which direction you go, you got to go through downtown. You got to go through this middle of the garden. You got to see this tree that I can't have. Remember now, watch this now. There was only one tree he couldn't have. He could have all the other trees. Let me tell you what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to focus on the one thing you can't do rather than all the stuff God has given you to enjoy. But why can't I have that one? I know I can have all this, but I want that one in the middle. You see, see, that's why in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that's why the tithe was so important. The tithe was restricted for God. That was not your money. Why does God create a restriction? Why does God say the first tenth of what you get is not yours? The same reason he put the tree in the middle of God, the same reason he put the tree in the middle of the garden. Here it is. You can never have freedom without restriction. Once you have freedom and there is no restriction, you've just introduced chaos. You can't have a football game with no sideline. If the running back can run, can run up into the stands, out into the concession area, down into the parking lot, that's no longer a football game. That's a chaotic free-for-all. Freedom is not the absence of restriction. Freedom is operating within the restrictions legitimately. That's freedom. You can't have a tennis match with no baseline. You can't have a baseball game with no foul pole. You have to have a restriction in order to enjoy the game. He says, I want to create a restriction so you can enjoy. Shop to your drop. You can maximize the freedom I have given you as long as you do not cross this line. Why did God not want them to cross this line? The same reason why you have a line for your teenager. Because there was to be a permanent distinction between parent and child. There was to be a permanent distinction between God and man. God will always... God always wants you to remember you are a subordinate. You are not an independent, living in the garden he made. Here's how it works. Man is subordinate to God, nature is subordinate to man. Nature is subordinate to man, man is subordinate to God. And the way God enforced the, uh, the subordination was with the restriction that included the consequence. Don't eat it. Or it will kill you. What does this mean? This tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What is this thing? Well, it was knowledge. There was data. There was data associated with it, and it involved good and bad. It wasn't all bad. It was good too, but it had to do with a knowledge base. What is this tree? Are you going to use your own standards, or as Proverbs puts it, are you going to lean to your own understanding? Are you going to operate by your own frame of reference? Are you going to operate by your determinative ability to, to decide what's right and wrong? We've got science, and science has gotten so educated that they have determined God does not exist. They have made a determination outside of revelation over stuff that nobody has ever observed. Hallelujah. No one's ever observed it. You know, that that no that you can never put in a test to but they think that the, the puny minds of man can discover the purposes of God without God telling them what they ought to think it's an educational it's an information revelation is supposed to enter everything you do if you want God involved 
in your garden. It's supposed to enter into politics, in, in, in sociology, in education, in science, in medical science. It's supposed to enter into personal living, family. It's supposed to be life by revelation, not by human determination. I'm going to decide what's right and wrong. I'm going to decide what's good and bad. My knowledge base is going to tell me what I ought to do and what I ought not to do. God is saying to us, you have not been here that long. You don't know enough. You're not to learn by your own experiences. You are to learn by trusting the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding and know thy ways. Acknowledge him and he will walk the walk with you. A couple years ago, a couple years ago I was invited to Pennsylvania to speak at a church. So they emailed the directions to my, um, my superior at the time. And, uh, you know, he gave them to me. I, I quickly looked at the directions, went off to sleep. I opened my eyes, looked at the time. It was now five of seven. I was supposed to be there to speak at seven. And I'm not seeing this church. I'm looking all over. I'm looking all over for a church, not seeing it. I am now in the country. Okay. I'm in the country and I'm way out there. And if there's a church out, you know, out there that Dr. Dool is the pastor, because I, I, I don't see nothing. All I see is sheep, I see cows, horses, and stuff. So Dr. Dool is pastoring out here because there's no church. It's 507, I'm, 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 getting, I'm getting a little panicky now, because I don't like being late, so, so I've got to be on time. We stop at, if I remember right, we stop at a 7-Eleven. We go inside, he says, we're looking for this church. Do you know where this church is? He looks and says, you didn't go far enough. We get back in the car. We go further. Now we're in the country. Country. I run out of animals. I'm so far in the country. We, we are way out there and we are lost as a jaybird. We stop at a light. A man pulls up. I say, sir, I'm looking for this church. Do you know where this church is? He goes, um, yeah, I think, I think, I think. I just rolled back up my window. He could help me. <laughs> So I'm lost, I'm upset, my driver lost, just a bunch of lost people. This is what we decide to do. We pull over and I say, let me slowly read these directions the pastor sent me. Because the pastor should know where his church is. I pick up the sheet. <laughs> See, when I read it the first time, I just looked at it gen generally. I took a glance at it. I didn't read it expositionally. Looking for the details of the record. I was just satisfied with a glance. But then when I studied, and when I paid attention to it, and then when I got particular about it, I saw that I lead to my own understanding. I thought I knew enough about directions to lean to my own understanding, and I went left. And when I went left, I went way left. And when I talked to people I thought could help me, they took me left turn. And I wound up not only going left, but I wound up getting lost going left. But when I went back the right way, when I headed back in the direction that was prescribed for me, when I decided, or when I didn't decide what the right way was versus the wrong way, but I let the pastor of the church tell me what the right way was versus the wrong way, when I got back to the place of the exit and kept going, the church was one block to the right. When I had gone 15 miles to the left, some of us are living 15 miles to the left. When God is saying, if you operate by revelation, your future, your calling, your garden is one block to the right. You will discover that God knows where he's taking you. 
doesn't matter how sophisticated the people say who's giving you advice. If they're not giving you his direction, because the creator ought to know where the church is. He ought to know. He ought to know what your purpose is. He ought to know what your future is. He ought to, he ought to know uh, who your mate is. All the things that make up life, he ought to know where they're located. I got a garden for you. I got a garden for you. There's a lot of freedom in that garden. There's plenty of fruit in that garden. There's a tree you can't touch in that garden, but there's life in that garden. Family, it's time to reclaim your spiritual authority because God has got a garden with your name on it. I pray this bless each and every one of you. If you'd like to hear more sermons, uh, visit www.hamilsmith.com. God bless you. God bless you.